the fuck was that? <laughs> and I'm gonna give. I love that dance. Get silence. ready. He's I'm getting ready. I love no that dance context silence. either. I'm gonna cut out what you said, Justin. Oh, and the first man. thing anybody's gonna hear is just silence, and they're going, "What the fuck was that?" With no context. Come on, come on, man. We're doing Ninja Turtles, so I said Cowabunga. What's wrong with that? You should have been like, "Oh yeah, no. I get it. I yeah. understood that reference, like Captain America." So I watched the one Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie I had not seen which was Batman and the Ninja Turtles. I watched that in preparation for this episode. That was so dumb when Batman's all cowabunga. <laughs> he finally <laughs> said it. They got him to say and it. Then, and then at the end when he's like, you can't go yet. It's pizza time. I was like, what the fuck is this movie? That was tight, though. I, I like how he, he said it's so dry, and <laughs> it was so, like... <laughs> I just, I don't I even know. I it, though. They won him over, man. I like they the Batman-Michelangelo combination. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Just, that was the best. What the fuck Oh, and the I fight watch? with Shredder, though. The fight with Shredder, though. That first fight. Oh, my gosh. That was awesome. It, it was just fantastic movie. Fantastic. It's all right at best. Oh, come just. on. God, you're just such a party <laughs> pooper. God, you don't like anything anymore. That should have been <laughs> your that You should have loved it. It was everything, man. They had the, the you know, you, you had all these references. It was fun. The whole thing with Batman was cool because he like, you know, he, he learned from the previous battle, came back stronger the second time. The stuff with him and Leo was cool. Like when they fought and Batman was like, I can tell that you're a, you know, you're a great fighter. Like, oh, it was great, dude. I love that movie. See, it was tight. that's probably why you like that movie is that movie just sits there and gives Leonardo fans hand jobs the entire movie. What's wrong with a hand job every now and then? Or, I mean, with, with Leo, with the, the Leonardo part, I meant the <laughs> metaphoric hand job. When well, <laughs> literal hand jobs are good too, but you know what I meant. What's wrong with a metaphoric Leonardo hand job or a regular hand job? I don't well, know. I was pick about your, to say pick, it's really bad your if you're getting a Leonardo or hand cinnamon. job. I don't know because who the fuck wants turtle skin like that? <laughs> so there's a lot wrong with that. <laughs> I imagine it'd be kind of a slippery situation. Turtles you know, aren't the, that slippery. They're not. Not, what, are they rough? I don't know. They're scaly. So it'd be kind of rough then. Yeah. I don't know if I would like that or not. So we'll just go to the metaphor then. The metaphoric hand job is okay. They're just sitting there just all over Leonardo fans nuts. And they're not giving the the empirically best Ninja Turtle... Any respect. Yeah, right. You don't even think he's the best. You didn't wear red today. I sure wore that Leo blue, though. I wore the blue today. Where's your red? See, Where's your raft red? 
I'm not wearing red because no traditionally way. speaking, all the Ninja Turtles wear red, Justin. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got me there a little bit, but come on, man. Riding, but I'm rocking the iconic Leo Blue. So, yeah. What do you mean so, they yeah. all wear red? In the original comics, they all wear the red. Original comic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's a black yeah. and white comic, but their bandanas are red. Got it. Yeah. So he can argue that is the OG color, is the color that. And, or wears. you could just do green for the turtles, like I did. You could have done that too. Or I'm wearing nice. I'm wearing black because yeah. that's what ninjas wear. Like what mm. real ninjas? You know wear. what? We all got in the spirit today. That's fine. Or Man, I'm, I'm not going to let you spend that. You didn't dress up. That's BS. Who me? Raph Red. You should have wore your Donatello purple. You should have had that Michelangelo orange, or you should have did like me and had that Leo blue. In my defense, I don't own any orange. And Bummer. the two red shirts I own are both in, in, in the dirty clothes hamper. Uh, I don't own any Leonardo blue clothing whatsoever. And I could, I guess I could have worn my purple shirt. I guess. But yeah, then, for Donnie, everybody likes Donatello. But Nobody hates on Donnie. But my, my purple shirt is a satanic shirt. So I don't know if it really gets across the message of... Of Ninja Turtle? Yeah. Oh. Well, he likes science, so yeah, I guess not. Because it's all Hail Lucifer, and it's a satanic cat. Oh. Yeah. Is that a, is that, is the cat, is the satanic cat a thing? Is that actually like. No, it's just a cute little cat. cat. Or it's just, okay, they just designed it all Satanish and shit. Okay. Yeah. It's just a cute little cat. And he's called Lucifer. It's all cute. So. See, you like Lucifer, but you didn't like Cowabunga. You should have just, you should have, that's right, the same. You should have been like, oh, that's cool, Jaston. Chuckle, chuckle. I get it. Lucifer is cute. Cowabunga is old. He says it in the movie. It's not that old. You say the movie? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> it's an old reference. I don't The I don't movie. Need that. <laughs> don't eat your fucking marshmallow and you, jelly bean pizza, I'm, Gaston. I'm glad you were pre- Oh, don't, don't, don't start on that marshmallow. Don't start on it. You knew we had to talk about it on this episode. I'm I just mean, saying. The prime I'm just time saying. to talk about it. Never again. Okay. Okay. You want to be like that? When I come to Chicago, that's what we eat in a day. One day we're gonna we're gonna make we're gonna buy this pizza. We're gonna buy the Chicago deep dish and put marshmallows in it. And I want to watch your faces when we try to eat it. See, the funny thing is, Justin, I'm a grown ass adult. I gotta do shit like that. But it's a challenge. <laughs> it's not a challenge, Justin. But it's a challenge. What if I call you a chicken? Are you going to stand for that? I'm not Marty McFly. That don't affect me. <laughs> what if I said, oh, you're yellow. And I started making buk, 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 noises. You wouldn't go. The peer pressure is getting to me. I'm going to eat it. No. Come on. What if Heather joined in? It would be two against one. And I don't think you could handle that. 
I don't think you can handle you don't all think that pressure I could handle coming that at you. With how many times you guys have ganged up to stab me in the back, like with Kroll <laughs> and The Visit, you tell me I couldn't, I couldn't withstand that? I don't have to hold my resolve. <laughs> the betrayal. <laughs> you two... Spoke Listen, to me in my podcast eyes. Was an talking Oscar about worthy how movie. Kroll wasn't that good. And then on the flip side, you guys looked at me in my podcast eyes when you spoke, <laughs> saying that the visit was all right. We didn't even say good. We both just said it was all right. It That's was not bad. And That's what like I said. Upset I said. About that. You said it was all right. It was right. just nice. It was just nice. A decent, but you hate that we said that. That movie <laughs> is on my worst list for a reason. It's a worst. It's not an all right. It's a worst. <laughs> Anything less so than upset. fuck this is terrible is a betrayal. But I mean, the Man. thing is, don't you hate more Shyamalan movies more than that one? Yeah. But that's the one that was on your list. There's like six others on my list. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, my I list is a majority yeah. of Midnight Shyamalan. <laughs> I forgot yeah, that he, most of them actually probably are. Them. The, the only M. Night Shyamalan movie that's considered <laughs> terrible that's not on my list is Avatar The Last Airbender because that's I knew that would automatically be on the Cinefan worst list. Yeah. I just knew I could not put that because <laughs> it would get covered. And old because you haven't seen it and that's fine because... Me and Jason cover that, and you are correct. It is no good. <laughs> I also Speaking didn't watch of, Glass, which apparently wasn't that good either. I didn't hate that one, but I was higher on it than everyone else was. I yeah. still think what Devin said was the funniest thing ever. If you like this movie, straight you're to stupid. my podcast eyes, I know. <laughs> that was crazy. What did he say? Funny. He said, "If you're you like this you movie, you're stupid." <laughs> and they went right to me, and I was like, "Listen, guys, I kind of like this movie." <laughs> yeah, and then you were just like, "I like how you just went." I liked it. <laughs> like it did not uh, offend me. It did not offend me, guys. It really didn't. But speaking of directors, I think Rotten Tomatoes is doing like a huge bracket of best directors, and I guess you vote on all these directors and then they're going to move into a bracket and then they're going to do a finals and all of that good stuff. But it's a huge, I mean, I couldn't even see I just saw a ton of pictures of directors and it was like, who's the best director? And they're like bracketing it. So I wonder how far your boy M Knight is going to get. He's not even in the tournament. I wonder, (laughs) you know, he's in there, you know, he's there. You know, he's in there. He's a D three school hoping to play in in some regional tournament, not give a fuck. Man, you better vote a lot, man. You better vote against him a lot. Watch him get to the, watch him get to the quarterfinals. Watch him get to the quarterfinals. That man has on had one ass. and a half good movies ever. I'm not that worried. <laughs> I'll give him two. He's had a total of two good movies because he's like half a good movie in Signs and half a good movie in Knock at the Door. That is a good question, though. Like, yeah. who would be the best director? Like, I mean, I think it would be Spielberg. I think Spielberg probably has to take it. I mean, he would have to be up there, right? He's been very, very consistent. I'm, I'm trying to think of who else 
might. You know, they're going to put Tarantino in there. Yeah, because like there's been some who have been like, like that they they've got these like great movies that are there as some of like the greatest movies, but they haven't been consistent year after year after year. They might have had just that one just epic kind of like Shyamalan, you know. He has the sixth sense. But beyond that, it's kind of like it's up and down like this. So, I mean, but but Spielberg is somebody you look at, man, that fool has a lot. Like, he's got a lot, man. He, I would he's have got a, a lot of good yeah. ones. Martin Scorsese says he's going to be on the list. Yeah, he'll, he should be there. Um, yeah. Francis Ford Coppola is going to be on the list. Yeah. Um, probably Hitchcock. Hitchcock's probably going to be on the list. Kubrick's probably going to be on the list. Tarantino. Nolan, probably. Nolan's Nolan. probably going to be on it. Uh, my worry would be that Nolan would win it just because of recency bias. Yeah. Like, he might get some votes. He might get a lot of votes just, because of that. Just out of the just sheer most currentness of his career. Scorsese does a movie like once every seven years now. Uh, Spielberg. Who is it that did Hurt Locker? That was uh, Catherine Bigelow. I Catherine bet she'll Bigelow. be on there. She might be in there. She's had some good ones. She's had, but that's the but thing. She hasn't had a lot. So many of her movies end up under the radar. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. But she is good. I agree with you. She ought to at least be in the bracket. I ought to look it up and see. I mean, Greta Gerwig is good too, but now, she also but. doesn't have a lot. Hmm. I mean, what did she do? She did Lady Bird. Greta Gerwig did Lady Bird mm-hmm. and then Barbie. And Little Women. And Little Women, right. And I, I don't know. That might be it. I mean, I'm sure there's smaller things, but that's all I could think of for her. James Cameron's probably going to be on the list. Uh, yes, mm. probably Ridley Scott. Who yeah. who did you say was doing it, Justin? Rotten Tomatoes. But Wes Anderson will like, probably be on there too. It looks like round one, they already. Yeah, they're they're the that round one is underway, brother. But yeah, there's a bunch of people in here, man, like Bong Jin Ho, Adam McKay, Guy Ritchie. Mm. I mean, it's it's a ton oh, of Guy people. Ritchie. Yeah. Guy Ritchie Coppola. has like four good movies ever and he's got like ninety billion. Steve McQueen is in here. I bet Clint Eastwood is in there. Probably. Yeah, I mean it's it's too many people to name. Taika Waititi's in here. I mean it's just oh, you know yeah. it's it's like it, it, it's a ton of directors, man. It's a lot. Jordan Peele versus Jude Apatow, like oh, Ryan Johnson versus Ben Affleck, like they. I mean it's it's hell of people. 
Oh, yeah. Ryan Johnson, oh. like the Knives Out guy? Yeah. So it's best directors yeah. of the last 25 years. Ah. Okay. okay. 25 years. Okay. That's, I feel like that's a weird comparison to do Ryan Johnson versus Ben Affleck. I mean, they're, Ben Affleck's a good director, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like his stuff's under the radar mostly too that he directs. In either case, I'll probably take a look at that and like see what I think. It's interesting. Interesting little bracket thing to do. To me, it's showing it's showing the list. And like I'm looking at the, the round one stuff, but I'm not seeing like it's saying the round one results, but it's not showing who won anything. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too. It just says the number of votes, but it's not saying you can't look at the re- the actual vote result, and it's not saying who the winner was. It's just pictures of people. Okay, as long as I'm not crazy. Yeah, it's the same thing with me, man. I was looking re- the same thing you are. Yeah, but I wonder what it's going to wind up though. Be interesting to see. Uh, who makes it to the finals? See, I'm looking at it right now. And some of these, I'm like, man, this is. I'm wondering if so much of this is slanted, man. So, I don't know. Oh, Ari Aster. Oh, yeah, and probably Darren Aronofsky. So, okay, yes, Jordan Peele. It's Jordan Peele and Ari uh, Ari Aster in the, the second round, and Jordan Peele is dominating Ari Aster as he, he oh, should. He, he should yeah. 100%. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, I would absolutely have him on my list, but it is, again, like he's only done three movies so far, so that makes sense that he'd be up against Ari Aster. Ooh, this one is, this one is intriguing to me. So this will be the rest of our intro real quick. Ryan Johnson versus Greta Gerwig. Ooh. Ooh. That's I didn't tough. see that. And, and Greta Gerwig is inching out Ryan Johnson right now, 49% to 51%. Ooh, probably Ooh, recency. Yeah, bias. I figured that would be close, though. That's like, the only one I'm like, close. that is tough. tough. I wouldn't yeah. be tough. mad at either one of them winning. I would edge it out to Ryan Johnson very, very slightly because his master unfolding of storytelling is so great. But so they're not they're not even putting Spielberg or Martin Scorsese on this list at all. Because they're older than that. So it's 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 directors that have more or less, I think, debuted in the last 25 years. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. damn. So it's wide open. Yeah. So That's, with them out, I like that, it's actually. wide open, bro. Like, so I like that better. I'm truly not hating some of this list either. So you've got Peter Doctor versus Dennis Villanueva, uh, which I think, so Peter Doctor, mm-hmm. he directed Monsters, Inc., Up, Inside Out, and Soul. So Pixar shit. Ooh. I Man. mean, in Venice uh, Villanueva, it's what, Prisoners, Arrival, Blade Runner, and Dune. Man, that's a that's a 
That's a that's good tough. matchup. And then you've that got that's good. a good that's a good ass matchup. Uh, and then you've got Alejandro uh Gonzalez uh Inaritu. I probably butchered that last part, uh versus Darren Arnofsky. Which that's Man, a good Alejandro one too. did Birdman, right? Didn't he do Birdman? He did twenty one grams. Yeah. The Revenant. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's a sneaky good matchup right there. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this is Luca uh, Guanigo. Uh, he directed I Am Love, Call Me By Your Name, Superior, and Bones and All. Okay. Um, versus hmm. Jason Reitman with Thank You for Smoking, Juno, Up in the Air, Young Adults, and Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh. I think Up in the Air alone almost kind of makes him win. And thank you for smoking, because I love thank you for smoking. Yeah. And Juno was the shit, too. Yeah. But I mean, I really like Juno. And then you've got Ava DuVernay, who did I Will Follow Selma in the mm-hmm. 13th versus um, Bong Joo Ho. That's a good matchup. Ooh. That, yeah, is, that is a good, good. matchup. So they really tried to match up people who have about the same number of movies, who have that they didn't yeah. just put names it seems yeah. like it seems like they intentionally That's tried good. to put do the bracket well people yeah. yeah do the bracket pretty well uh you've got guy Ritchie versus damien uh chazelle chazelle he did la la land yeah la la land versus guy Ritchie. i think he wins though i think he wins just for the yeah. end of whiplash holy fuck yeah the end of whiplash yeah. god i'm gonna talk about that for nine years again Andrew Dominic versus Sofia Coppola. So uh, I think this actually goes to Sofia Coppola because he did Killing Them Softly, Assassination of Jesse James and Blonde or Blondie mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Assassination of Jesse James is the only one that really sticks out in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she did The Virgin Suicide, Lost in Translation, uh, The Bling Ring and The Beguiled. Oh, yeah. That goes to her for sure. I would say. Uh, Brad yeah. Bird versus David Lech. Uh So Brad Bird, Iron Giant, The Incredibles, Ratatouille, Mission Impossible 4 Ooh. versus David Lech, who did Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, Hobbs and Shaw, and Bullet Train. Wow, that's a good matchup. I still think Brad Bird takes that, though. Yeah. Taika Waititi versus Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins, Jenkins did Medicine for Melancholy, Moonlight, and If Beale Street Could Talk. Oh, okay. God, that's such a good... But see, that's where it gets yeah. tough. Is It's those types of movies going up against Taika Waititi, who right. it's all comedy shit. That's a tough one yeah. just because the, yeah. the genres are so drastically different. You yeah. know? Ooh, this one is tough for me. James Wan versus Alex Garland. So James Wan, it's Saw, Insidious, The Conjuring, Fast and Furious, Aquaman. Versus Alex Garland, who did Ex Machina, Annihilation, and Men. Now, Men, we did not really like, but Ex Machina and Annihilation are really good are, movies. Are fantastic movies. Like, Ex Machina is one of the reasons why I started watching A24 movies. I fucking love that movie. So that one's tough just because of that. Then and you who have were they up against? James Wan. Oh, yeah, that's tough, though. Didn't James Wan do uh, Malignant as well? 
I believe so, yeah. I don't know. He's good. I don't know. I like him. You have Ty West, who did House of the Devil, which that's a super yeah. good movie. House of the Devil is super good. But he also did X and Pearl versus yep. Yorgos uh, Lanthimos, who did The Lobster, The Killing of the Sacred Deer, and The Favorite. Hmm. Those are super good movies. Yeah. That, that man did. That one, I'm, as much as I do love House of the Devil and X was okay, uh, and I haven't watched Pearl yet, I'd still probably go with him, though. Ari yeah. Aster versus Jordan Pill. Enough said. There's the no that's competition a there for me. Yeah. Uh Ryan Johnson yeah, versus deal. Greta Gerwig. That's that like that's just a good matchup. It's I kind I kind of there with be you, fine Heather. With either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be fine with either. I would vote for Ryan Johnson. But I think if I would Greta too. Gerwig won it, I'm not mad. Exactly. Yeah. Cuz I mean I I mean Lady Bird was a fine movie, but I'm telling you Barbie was just so good. But I mean, Knives Out, in my opinion, is like a perfect movie. See, so it's going to be think, really hard to beat that. I think that's where Ryan Johnson beats Greta Gerwig to me is he's directed more of the like the movie I like, you know, True. he did. Brick, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did Looper, Star Wars, Last Jedi, Knives Out. You know, he oh, just he did his. Looper? Huh? Nice. I didn't know he did Looper. Yeah. Makes sense. He does love he, Joseph Gordon. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> his style of movies is kind of what I prefer. You yeah. know, but I, I can't deny Greta Gerwig is an amazing director. You yeah, know, like for sure. it's, you know, uh, so that's up in the air. Uh, the next one is Paul Feig versus, versus Phil Lord and Chris Miller. So Paul Feig, Bridesmaid, Spy, Ghostbusters, A Simple Favor. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller did Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, 21 Jump Street, the Lego movie. They mm, also wrote that's tough. Uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Ah uh, yes, but or wrote and slash produced, but they didn't direct it. Um, I mean that's tough. Paul Feig's a good director, and so are they. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. That's I'm probably a gonna tough side one. with uh, Lord and Miller though, because yeah. I really like the Lego Movie and Twenty One Jump, Tw- Jump Street. Yeah, Twenty One Jump Street and Twenty Two Jump Street are super underrated comedies. Yeah, and. I don't know if they directed Lego Batman, but their Lego movie led to Lego Batman. Like, yeah. So Martin McDowell, uh, Donna versus Sam Mendes. So Martin McDowell did in Bruges, seven psychopaths, three billboards and the Banshees of, uh, Ina Sharon. Yeah. That one. I've seen the movie and I still didn't know it. Uh, Sam Mendes did American beauty road to perdition, Skyfall, 1917. I would give it to him if it's me. Oh, I think I, I would, would go with Sam. Yeah. I would go with yeah. Sam. On 1917 and Skyfall alone, I would probably go for him. I'm surprised yeah. you didn't say Road to Perdition, considering how much you love Mr. Yeah, Hanks. I was I, I was about I, to say and Road wait, to Perdition. Wait, who did that one? Sam, uh, Sam Mendes. Uh, oh, okay. Mendes. I actually yeah. missed you saying that yeah. one. Um, yeah, for sure. I love that movie. And, yeah, definitely it yeah. goes to him. I do and like Skyfall is pro- arguably the best yeah. yep. like Bond movie. And like, that's yeah. But yeah. With uh Martin McDonough, like the only one of his movies I didn't like was Three Billboards. Mm. Banshees is I feel like I've only seen three billboards of his. Banshees is it's fucked, but it's really good. Yeah, I heard that was amazing. That that was one that year I didn't see. Uh, I heard it was same. amazing. 
In Bruges is great. Seven Psychopaths is great. Um, but yeah, I'd still probably give it to Sam Mendes though. Uh, Spike Jones versus Robert Eggers. So Spike Jones did Being John Malkovich adaptation. Her. Uh, Robert Eggers did The Witch, The Lighthouse, and The Northman. Ooh, oh, that's a man. good matchup. That's a good Dang. matchup. I, I don't know about that. I, oh, I'm probably giving you Robert hard, Eggers. Yeah, I think I edge a little, Ooh. just a little bit. Because The Witch is so good to me. Yeah. God, I love The Witch. Yeah. Uh, and the final Lighthouse? one of round two. Come on now. Lighthouse was super well done. It's super well done. It's a fucked movie, though. I've oh, seen that sure, movie three but. times. Uh, because the yeah. first time I saw it, I had a massive toothache from a tooth that ended up having to get pulled. Um, I was fucking miserable. And in that movie, you have to focus. I couldn't. I was. Yeah. So I actually even went back to theaters to watch it again. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm missing something or what. I don't hate this, but I don't know what the fuck is going on. And so I watched it <laughs> yeah. another time. Like after it came out and like streaming and shit. And I watched it again and I'm like, I don't hate this, but I still don't know what the fuck is going on. That's kind of where <laughs> I sat with it. But I mean, how beautiful is that it's, movie though? It's an insanely well-made movie though. Yeah. Uh, and then the final one, Christopher Nolan versus Ryan Coogler. Ooh. Which if you don't know, did Fruitfield Station, Creed, Black Panther and Black Panther 2. Right. Man, as much as I like Kugler, he's he got a bad place in this bracket. He ain't beating Christopher Nolan. What? Yeah. Fucked Ryan Kugler I mean, a little bit. Yeah. Is the Creed movies. Cuz two yeah. other people have directed Creed movies and they're all pretty good. Yeah. yeah. They kind of yeah. negate his presence on Creed. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, Black Panther is pretty epic, but yeah, I yeah, it's got to be Nolan, though. I mean, it's got to be on that one. You know, with this being directors of the last 25 years, it infinitely became way more intriguing to me than yeah. just yeah. directors. Other people had a chance. <laughs> Newer people had a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's infinitely more interesting. We might do weekly updates on this now. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, that wound up being pretty fun. See, I just kind of caught it on my social media or whatever, but I really didn't like look at it, look at it. But that's that, that's pretty cool. And man, now I'm just kind of wondering who's going to win. I mean, but but I feel like Nolan, it's Nolan. is going to have Nolan's the recency bias do. advantage with Oppenheimer just coming out. It would be out. funny if it's yeah. Greta Gerwig and Nolan against each other. <laughs> I mean... Taika might win it off of personality, though. He's pretty great. Personality-wise, yeah. everyone people loves like Taika. You know? Yeah, people like him a lot. Yeah. And Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele's going to get far. Yeah, yeah Jordan. So yeah, good. He's a dark horse. Him and Greta are dark horses, but I, I mean, Nolan's probably the favorite, but those are definitely dark horses. I mean, what if it was like Jordan Peele versus Ryan Johnson? Who do we give it to then? That's a tougher one, I think. I don't know, because I like Greta Gerwig. But if it was Peel versus Ryan Johnson, that actually might be a little harder for me. I think I might have to go Peel, though, on that. Mm. I don't know. It's tough. It's hard to say on that one. 
I wonder if they'll be up against each other. But yeah, that's I don't think Ryan Johnson's making it out of this round. And I think he is, yeah. And I think the thing that's hurting him is Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars fans hate that movie. Yeah. I thought you were just gonna say because everyone is all about Greta Gerwig right now, right now. I think I think Star Wars is hurting him. I really do. Mm-hmm. So many Star Wars fans, and they're going to go in there. They're going to fucking automatically vote for Greta Gerwig, even if they're those ty- same type of people that are like fuck the Barbie movie. They are more willing to fuck Ryan Johnson just because of how much like their whole Star Wars love to me. And, and isn't that the one you liked? <laughs> I think it's arguably liked, right? the best <laughs> Star Wars movie ever made. <laughs> I think it's it's a, any day of the 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 year. If you ask me, it's either the last Jedi or it's empire strikes back. They'll, they'll kind of rotate a little bit, but yeah. And I mainly liked it. Cause he said, you know how everybody loves this shit with star Wars and everybody's like, yeah. And he's like, fuck all that. Do whatever the fuck I want. And I go, yeah, let's do that. Respect. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be really hard. Ryan Johnson versus Jordan Peele for me, but I think I might have to edge it out to Peele very slightly if that happened. But you're right. He's probably not making it I out think, of this round. I think it's because also with Jordan Peele, that kind of having less movies helps. Yeah, he's yeah. got three excellent, if you've got you know, three fresh movies. Yeah. And I guess, are they comparing it with like the movies themselves being like what their scores are? The well, tomato scores? Well, no, no, no. They're just putting whoever and people vote. Okay. Because I'm like, and I, I just think about it too. Like Jordan Peele has like fresh movies across the board. I don't know about the others, but I know he does. I mean, Well, so does Ryan Johnson though. Yeah. The only one that might be up in the air is Brick. Yeah. That might just be, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was lower than a 60, but it might just be a, yeah. I did like Brick. And I like that movie. Yeah, I like that movie too. Yeah, Brick was all right. Brick's an eighty percent. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ryan Johnson's got bangers, but that's the thing is, Star Wars fans though will come out in droves <laughs> just to slam him because of that. What is yeah. that Star Wars Rotten Tomato score? Oh, like ninety some percent. Critics it, loved okay. the it did, fuck it out did of that. Well, Great. critics loved it. Yeah. Of the new trilogy, it's the highest rated. Yeah. 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 Nice. Well, anyway, <laughs> that was fun. Good, because I had no idea what the fuck I was going to talk about for the intro. Well, good. <laughs> good. Worked out perfectly. We did a mini yes, review of Batman versus the Ninja Turtles, and we went over <laughs> that list. So, music? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant 
Mayhem. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section. To start us off, our resident turtle fan, Heather. I'm just kidding. Justin, go. <laughs> you could have started with her. It would have hurt me. I just um, I just like the fact that I set it up to be you and then said her name. Gotcha. All right. Um well, being a longtime fan of the Ninja Turtles, as you so implied. Um and I think I've seen just about every movie. Up to this point, the only one I haven't seen was that second one that the the second Ninja Turtles that they did. Um, out of the shadows. Yes. Out of the shadows. That is the only one I now haven't seen. Um, but I heard that I didn't need to be in a hurry to see that. So, uh, yeah. So I'm missing that one. Um, but out of the ones that I've seen. This this one definitely seems to have the best overall reception from what I've seen from just critics and just like when you look at audience averages and critic averages, Metacritic, Tomatoes, all of that stuff. This one is just seeming to hit the right notes with both sides of that coin. And I'm not very used to that. Like I'm used to the Ninja Turtle movies just being poorly reviewed critically. And then fans just kind of liking them. But I will say uh, that I can understand why Mutant Mayhem is getting the reception that it's getting. I think that it's it's got all the fun of and and the colorful and the colorful characters of Ninja Turtles. It's got all of that going for it, but what I was really impressed by with this was how they better developed this story and the fact that they really paid attention to give characters around them stories that sort of tied to what the turtles were doing. And I think because the story is so well crafted it makes you care about everything. I think a lot of times with the Ninja Turtle movies and cartoons and stuff like that, you kind of just get, you know, all of that stuff can be fun in a way, but I think that there just came a time where people were just so comfortable. We were just so comfortable with just the Ninja Turtles being on screen. And as long as they're fighting and as long as you have some, recognizable character sorry let me silence my phone so that doesn't happen again um people don't know when to stop bothering me when i'm podcasting damn it but i think what i was saying with that is i think that when filmmakers and people do these movies a lot of times it's like okay as long as we have the ninja turtles on screen as long as we have some fight scenes, as long as there are some characters that are familiar, it doesn't matter what they're saying or what their motivations are or anything like that. As long as we have this checklist of things, people are going to spend money on it and people are going to like it. 
And I do think at some point, did y'all hear that? Man, yes. I cut it off. In Justin's defense, okay. I was the one that sent the message that he originally was like, people are interrupting him. And it is podcast related business that we sometimes do behind the scenes. Sorry. So we'll again, sneak peek here for everybody. So if you're one of Justin's friends, now. if you're one of Justin's friends and you're like, oh no, am I one of the people that text him during podcasts? No, that's me. So this one was at least. Okay. The, the, the solid mode is on. So that should not happen again. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so it, it, and what I meant with all of that is I think that this people got comfortable presenting this a certain way. What I think is good about this, though, is that they sort of were like, well, you know what? Let's try to do some different things. Let's have the Ninja Turtles actually be teenagers and let's voice and let's voice cast some people who are teenagers Let's have them actually doing teenager stuff. Let's have them have teenager concerns. You know, let's have them. Let's think about what it would be like to be teenagers and be aware of the kind of human society that 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 they sort of live in or are secluded from, but still be like the Ninja Turtles and have those things and stuff, but have these like real concerns that maybe teens would have. And that really worked for me. Like when you're getting into this story and you're seeing kind of what they care about and what they're concerned about, it all just made sense for that 15 year olds would be concerned about these things. Um, And I love how they start with that idea this idea about, man, I wonder if we'll ever be accepted in society and all of that. And I love how that ties into everything else that is happening. It, it's, it's in the, it ties into everything that's happening with the mutants. It ties into everything that's happening with April. It ties in, all of it ties in. And, and that just that simple idea of wanting to be accepted and all of that sort of drives this movie and drives all the characters. So as we're being introduced to characters and we're having this, uh, this turtle adventure, you're sort of seeing how all of that sort of is coming together for every character. And finally, when we get to the end of that, it just winds up being a very, uh, a solid story with, I thought was a very nice message at the end. And Saying that, that is not hardly anything I ever say watching Ninja Turtles stuff. Like, oh, it had this great cohesive message that really just brought everything. That was the glue of this entire movie uh, until it ended from the start of it to when it ended. That is not something I normally say about Ninja Turtles. So that was great. And of the voice casting, I mean, I, I loved everybody's voice in this. But Jackie Chan absolutely killed this, I think. I really loved him as Splinter. So he was one of my standouts. I really liked him um, in this, man, just how he voiced Splinter. I mean, he really came off as genuine and warm. And I really just like 
what he did with the Splinter character. I figured that I would like him, but man, he really showed up for this on the voice work. I really, really dug him as Splinter. But my other um, MVP, Ice Cube as Superfly. My goodness, man. Like, man, Superfly was great in this. Whether he was making me laugh or whether he was saying something like that that was meaningful to kind of his mission and what he was trying to do and everything like that, his interactions with the characters or how he would react to certain stuff like, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, but there are parts where I'll, I'll just say his powers are augmented and the reactions that he creates with his voice. Like I think ice cube was like a godsend for this. I didn't know like how I would take Superfly, but man, he just did an incredible job. And this Superfly character wound up being a great opposition to the turtles. Like what drove him, his motivations, everything like that. All of it was just very, very good, man. All of it was great. So just in closing, this movie has great action sequences and it doesn't overdo it with the action. It didn't feel like a movie that felt like, oh, we've got to have an action scene every five minutes. Like sometimes you feel like that in these Ninja Turtle movies. This one, it 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 felt like it took its time with the action. The action was well placed. It came right when it needed to. It came to speed things up whenever we slowed things down to do character development. So I thought all of it was well placed. The characters are very good here. I think the best thing about it are just that the characters are more developed than they ever have been in any of the other Ninja Turtle stuff. And finally, we had a villain that had a good story and some and and and, and a story that I think tied to the motivations of our protagonist as well. And all in all, it ended it, it, when it ended. It was just a lot of fun and. It looks absolutely amazing. So I know that we've been questioning a lot of these live action movies and talking about, should we try to animate more stuff? Especially after we saw um, the the Spider-Man movie, Across the Spider-Verse. And I think that this is another example of what you can do when you take some of these iconic characters and animate them. Just the, the, the sense of style that this had. The music was also great. A lot of old school tunes, like in the spirit of like the 90s and that time when the the Ninja Turtles was like really a thing. So that was a nice touch. But artistically, man, there are parts of this that just look beautiful. Like I'm just sitting there going, man, this looks awesome. And it kind of had this sort of sketchy comic book, but kind of refined look. I mean, it has a very, very distinct look that I really appreciated. So yeah, it's a beautiful movie. It's a lot of fun. The dialogue is pretty clever and smart for what this is. And ultimately it had a message that I, that that I thought came across very well. So bravo to this movie. It probably is the best Ninja Turtle movie that we've gotten thus far. Might be the best Ninja Turtle anything honestly, that we've gotten so far. 
Now to the real Resident Turtle fan, Heather. Yep. I mean, you wouldn't have been wrong either way you said it because we're, I think we're all pretty big fans here. Um, I do agree. I think this movie is a lot of fun and I really do love the animation style of it because it is just so different than a lot of other animated styles that I've personally seen at least. So I really like how they did it because it, it kind of gave me this old school feel to it, you know, like a very throwback uh, 90s cartoon type of thing, which is probably what they were going for with it. But it just really worked. It really worked how they did it. Um, and yeah, I think all of the voice acting is so good. I totally agree about uh, Superfly. That was great. That was great. Um, my standout actually is April. Um, Ayo Edebiri was so good as April. I loved April's character. I love how they made her character, the personality that she had and how she kind of riffed off of the, the turtles was really fun for me. So I really, she kind of stood out big time to me, honestly. And then, I mean, the, the, the turtles, the teens, you know, all the boys were so good. Um, you do feel like they're actual teenagers living in this world today. Like I love how, they're using current lingo and they just know what things mean. And they're just very um, just feel like teenagers that you would know in today's world. And I thought that was really well done how they, how they kind of incorporated that into this movie like that. Um, It was, it was funny when it needed to be funny. It had some like really cool action shots. They did the storyline is cool. You know, it's easy to follow, but it has, you know, some really strong points to it and good morals behind it. It's, I mean, it's, it's not a complicated story really by any means, but it's told in a fun way where the whole journey getting to the end of this movie is just a really fun ride. It was just, it was entertaining the whole way through. And there wasn't really a moment that I was like, "Mm, why are we doing this? I mean, granted it is a short runtime anyway, (laughs) so it's kind of hard to, I mean, if you only have, what, hour 38 minutes or something like that to do a movie like this, I mean, you're, it's, it's kind of the perfect amount of time to tell a Ninja, Ninja, Tur- Ninja Turtles story this way. So I, I think um, it really served the story and the movie well to do a shorter runtime on that. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was fun. It was, it was cute. It was, it was funny. Um, I loved the soundtrack and I also loved Superfly just kind of like having these like stereos like when he gets introduced he's just like a big deal and he has like music playing when he gets out and stuff like it's just funny like just these fun little like modern moments that are just kind of a little bit meta but not quite meta I don't know how to explain it but it was just fun it was a good time Um, yeah I mean I think I always am going to have a love for the like original Ninja Turtles movies <laughs> like the one and two are just so like classic to me, like because they are childhood core movies for me. But this is actually I mean, if we're logically speaking, this has just got to be the actual best one <laughs> of of the ones that we've seen. So, yeah, I, I really liked it. I think it was a fun time. Uh yeah, I, I I I have no complaints in that department. For the most part, I agree with you guys. Beautiful movie. 
probably is cinematically the best version of the Ninja Turtles we've ever gotten. Uh, Ice Cube was fantastic as Superfly. Uh, the kids doing the voices for the turtles, I thought that was great. I, I liked Jackie Chan's voice for Splinter in this. Um, where I have a big, big problem with this movie, it is unnecessarily overly crowded. There's nine billion fucking people in this movie, it feels like at times, with really great people cast as their voice actors. And I, I, I don't even know why some of them were cast there. You know, there's one character that has like, uh, it's the, uh, was it Genghis frog voiced by Hannibal, uh, Burgess. This has like one line in the entire movie. So, like, why are you getting somebody big to, like, play this person when they, they don't talk? Was it the Manta Ray? Uh, Post Malone does that voice. Yeah, they do a couple of things with it, but it's kind of the same thing. And it's just, why are we having Post Malone do this for just a one gag thing? You know, you have so many people in this movie as the voice cast. And it's does it really pay off with that? I'd argue no. Now, in the end, does that diminish the overall quality of this movie? Not really. But it's a very confusing thing when you're watching the movie and it's just at times overcrowded just for the sake of having a crowd of mutants there. I think you could have streamlined that a little bit. Maybe added some depth depth to some of the characters and maybe you could have gotten a little bit more payoff out of those characters. Maybe instead of just being a part of the movie, they could have really helped benefit the movie. But like I said, it didn't really detriment it. It's just, I think that that's lost potential right there with this movie. And then there's a scene towards the end of this movie. I won't say what it is yet. I'll save it for spoilers. It is probably the most hated type of scene I could ever have in a movie. We've seen this. I've actually talked about this type of scene in other uh, episodes before. Uh, Without going into spoilers, like I said, I'll save it for that. But just to give you guys a hint, it's a very Spider-Man-esque scene that I hate. And this movie went right into it. I had to go check who the producers of this movie were. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) I knew you would love that. I knew you would love it. (laughs) That fucking happened. And it took everything I I like had to just not scream. Did Aviara (laughs) produce this movie? The fact that Jason and I both immediately thought of you for in that moment <laughs> that we're like, yep, we knew we know you'd like this. It's, like that says how much you hate it. That truly bothered me. Truly, truly bothered me when that scene happened. 
I even went to double check just now to make sure Aviar did not, in fact, produce this movie. Maybe he was like a hidden producer and that they didn't announce it till today or something. Had to double check. Um, outside of that, though, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I this movie, eh, it is. It is the best Ninja Turtle cinematic experience you could probably ever have or have had yet. It just is. Like, it, it's not even close, really. Like, I thought Rotten Tomatoes was being a little bit mean to the Ninja Turtles. You know, was it the first Ninja Turtles movie sitting at like a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that? Yeah. The next closest is that the animated TM, uh, TMNT movie. I think it's like at a 45 or a 46, something like mm-hmm. that. I like both those movies. I thought Rotten Tomatoes was being a little mean to the Turtles. But they loved this movie. Nah, this movie is that much better. It is. It really is a, a lot better. Uh, I'm not going to sit there and say that those other movies are maybe justifiable of that score, but it kind of makes you go, no, those movies are bad, but I like them. It, this it's movie the really difference does, of like favorite movies of them versus best movies well, of them. Well, no, it's not even that. To me, it's 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 this movie really kind of shows you what we missed for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies growing up. Like, oh, they could have done a movie like this. You know, maybe they couldn't have gotten the animation like this in the nineties, whatever. But we could have had great Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. We just had movies that you liked because you were a fan of the Turtles. Yeah. We could have had great movies. And they chose not to. They made a choice to not make a great one. I mean, fuck. As much as I love Ninja Turtles 2 Secrets of the Ooze, they went, guys, the first movie that's not violent is too violent. Let's get rid of their weapons. <laughs> yeah. It only took, uh, you know, Seth Rogen to make it right. Yeah. Seth Rogen rolls along and goes, hey, guys, let's do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and like, okay. And he goes, how about we, you know, make a great one, though? Everybody's like, huh. <laughs> right. What did we think of that shit? Never crossed our minds to make a great one. And you could tell by, you know. Ninja Turtles 3 and then the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movies. You can tell they never thought to make a great one. Just never. Never crossed their damn minds. But, no, this one, this one's great. It really is. And, I mean, it's... And the thing I like about it the most is they changed. They changed the backstories of the Turtles a lot in this. It's not bad changes, though. I think that the, it added to the story. I liked I liked the story elements they added to their backstory that added to Splinter's personality because this is a very unique personality and it, it kind of made it better. You know? I'm not going to lie. I was kind of apprehensive about the fact that I'm like, they're, they're doing this, but there's no Shredder? Like, how are you going to have a debut Ninja Turtles movie with no Shredder? What the fuck are they thinking? No, they were right. That was a good choice. I liked it. 
I liked the fact that they didn't have Shredder in this movie after I saw it. It's good. I I I liked the idea of it being them up against a you know or the supposed villain or whatever is is a group of other mutants. It really added to the story of them feeling like outcasts as both teenagers and mutants. Like there's weirdly a lot of emotional depth in this movie that you would th- that you've never gotten from a teenage mutant ninja trolls movie before, not to this degree. You know. Yeah. I like that they you know, they 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 were feeling outcast you know as mutants, but then there is that teenage angst and wanting to ex- find acceptance and wanting to find where you belong and them finding out they're not the only mutants and like all this other stuff. But then like the ultimate, like we have to do what's right versus what we want. Like those are very complex emotional themes that they did it overcomplicate. So I feel like kids can understand what's going on in it, but it's not just surface level, shallow bullshit. Yeah, no, they they did a great job. Uh, recommendations and scores. Yep. Yep. Recommendations and scores. Heather, go. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's super fun. Also, being like a fan of the Ninja Turtles for my entire childhood up to now. You know, it was it was a lot of fun for me. I, I think if you have ever been a fan of them at any point, you'll like this movie. I think you really will. Um, I don't even know if you have to be a fan of Ninja Turtles to like this. I mean, I don't I don't really specifically know anybody who doesn't know who the Ninja Turtles are. So it would be kind of weird to like find someone who doesn't. But um, yeah, it's 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 a good time. It's fun. It's a great story. I, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't like this movie. I think it's really, really well done in, in all of the ways. So, yeah, I definitely recommend it. I'm going to give it, um, oh, man, what am I going to give this movie? I'll probably give it, let me see. I'm going to give it uh, 88 Chris Pine cardboard cutouts for your party out of 100. That's a really good scene. Justin, what about you? Yeah, that was a great scene. Yeah, it's going to be a recommend, obviously. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Can you say that I again? Mean, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> it's going to be a recommend. Um, but, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's a, like everybody said, man. It's it's very colorful. It looks beautiful. It's a lot of fun. And just like you both said, there's just a lot of emotional depth to the story. It's a good story. It's a relatable story. Um, I think it's, and that's really what puts it over the top. And it avoids a lot of, I think, what you could call Ninja Turtle cliches. Because there are these routine things that happen in Ninja Turtles movies, I mean, you could almost make a list of Ninja Turtle cliches. Raph has to get mad and <laughs> do and do something stupid or get into trouble because he's mad at 
everything and everybody. Michelangelo has to be a bumbling idiot and do something that's dumb because he's an airhead. Leo is going to be the one always is focused and straight laced and training and all of this kind of stuff. You know, sometimes in these movies in all of these other movies that have come before it, there are just these things that they always seem to do with Ninja Turtles stories. And what I loved about this was this kept the spirit of the different personalities of them, but we didn't do all the same damn things with the story. We've kind of found a way to better tell the story and have these personalities in there. So I think that that's another just great triumph of the movie. It's it, I, I feel what you said, Sterling, when you were like, man, we could have got movies like this the whole time. It does feel like we were robbed a bit of something because I it, it, it makes you look back at some of that stuff now and go, were they just doing the same thing over and over and just yes. putting a different dressing on it? You Dude, know, like I didn't even think about it like that, Justin, but like when you were like, Raphael getting mad at everybody and leaving. I'm like, he has done that in every damn movie, hadn't he? Just every yep. damn movie he does it. Yep. And I, I'm i a Raph stan. And he'd just be leaving all the damn time, doesn't he? Yep. <laughs> all the damn time. Always. And something happens to be because he's left or something Normally like he gets that. He gets into some, yep, he gets in some kind of trouble. You know, it, it's just... There are just these routine things that happen, you know, um, but but yeah, this kind of it, it avoids a lot of those things. And even when it does something and there are some things that that happen in this where you could argue I've seen it in the cartoon. I've seen it happen this way in the cartoon or different things like that. But even then, they just did it in such an awesome way or such a cool way or such an amazing way. It didn't even matter that they did the same thing because they did it it, it it because they made it their own in this movie. And so it's better, you know. So with all that being said, um, stop rambling because I want to get the spoilers. Um, we'll go we'll go 91. I'll give it an A. I think it's worthy of an A. We'll go 91. Um making out with your cockroach wife out of a hundred. Apparently in conservative circles, people that have not seen this movie, they think the cockroach character is a man. So they think that they made splinter gay in this movie. (gasps) How how do you like, Tell people you haven't seen a movie without telling people you haven't seen the movie. Like, exactly. They I openly had not heard say that. that that is a woman cockroach the whole movie. Like, and on top of that, why does it matter anyway? It's a fucking cockroach and a rat. Why are you getting really worried <laughs> yeah, about you? genders of these animals at this point? <laughs> yeah, I'm really just trying to sit here and figure out, is somebody mad about a cockroach and a rat? Nope, that's fine. But if it's a boy cockroach and a boy rat, that's bad. But Big problem. Heterosexual cockroach rat sex, fine. 
the fuck are people like doing with their lives nowadays? I don't know, man. Jeez. I heard. I literally heard about that today. I was waiting for this to talk about it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> um, what yeah, are they on about? Wow. Yeah, it's that's that's their issue. They thought that the woman cockroach was a guy. Just man, man, fuck those people. I'm giving it a 93. 93, fuck those people you just mentioned. <laughs> I like that. Um, I do recommend this movie. I think if you're not a fan of Ninja Turtles, I think that this is something that might make you a fan of Ninja Turtles. Because this is not the same shit that you've had your entire life. You know, when it comes to Ninja Turtles, they did not even love pizza as much as one would think they would. That's yeah. true. This is true. They liked it about as much as you reasonably should like pizza. Pizza's great. You know, you, you know, eat it as much as you can, as you want. But like nobody's eating it nine times a day like they fucking do in like the older TV shows and shit. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, like I said, they like pizza a reasonable amount in this. Like, you know, they, they act like teenagers. It has a lot of emotional and character depth to a lot of things. When it does action sequences, they're pretty fucking great. The animation's incredibly unique. And I think it's very fitting of the choices they wanted to do with it. I really liked what they did with the mutants and this style. I think it kind of added, added a little bit of grime and, and grittiness to those characters while also being fun and vibrant for the turtles. I liked how the same art style kind of was able to just shift perspective a little bit, depending on what it was animating, you know, but Overall, no, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's really great. Like Justin said, does it dip into some turtle tropes here and there? Yeah, but that's also kind of what you want sometimes. You want some turtle tropes. You don't want the same turtle tropes in every fucking movie, making it the entire fucking movie. You just want some nice turtle tropes here and there. And, I mean, these guys have been around in comic book and TV in movie form, in video game form, for so fucking long, they've got turtle tropes. They've got them. You know? So, yeah. And then they did some fun little callbacks. Nice little fun callback to Ninja Rap. Yeah, that was tight. You know? Couldn't give me a Toka and Razor, but still, gave me some Ninja Rap. We got that Kawabunga, though. I don't give no fucks about no cowbunga. Oh, man. Cowabunga is slightly up there with turtle tropes that need to die. Come on, dude. I thought when we got to this section, you would appreciate it by now. <laughs> it's, it's not 1991. <laughs> don't need no cowabungas. But we're over an hour in. I figured after an hour, you it would it would settle in uh, for you. Hit you different. You know, it would have landed different. For Every you. minute that passes <laughs> is a minute further away from when Calabunga was necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Yeah, 
Every minute that we get further away from January 1st, 1990, <laughs> it becomes less and less necessary. It, and this ain't said it one time. Come on, bro. It is it said it one time. That was one time too many. It is <laughs> 72 you. minutes less necessary than it was when you first said it. Man, I just thought it would grow. I planted the seed. I thought it would grow. No. I am actively pouring salt on that plant so it doesn't grow. <laughs> I'm blotting out the sun. I want to do what the Matrix robots did where they blacked out the sun to stop that plant from growing. Maybe I just need to be like, uh, what was it, Ralph Fiennes? Just be a constant gardener with you. Just going to keep on planting it, dude. Just keep planting that cowabunga seed. Maybe if I just constant gardener you, you'll it'll eventually grow into your heart. Did you see a constant gardener? <laughs> <laughs> That is the point of the movie at all. the point. That was not bad That's right up there with thinking the cockroach and Splinter are gay with each other. <laughs> I know. That the way you not. sold that, though, like you knew what you were talking about was I epic. Know. If anybody the has only, not seen The Constant Gardener out there, which not I know a lot of people haven't, because it was not that big of a movie, but Constant Gardener, not much to do with gardening. Not at all. Where'd you pull that reference from? (laughs) Only the title. That's a deep cut, Justin. The title. I appreciate appreciate that reference, though, because that's a super deep cut. Going constant gardener. (laughs) That's like thinking the movie Children of Men is a kids movie. Just, (laughs) just like cheaper by the dozen. Just kids everywhere. (laughs) Yep. Uh, no, God had nothing to do with that movie. If you've seen but Children hey, of Men the or Constant Gardener, these are great jokes. Yeah. They only work if you've seen these movies, though. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, man. But I really can't believe you did that. Anyway. <laughs> um, but overall, it's it's a very enjoyable time. And it's not an inappropriate length. I think it's it's timed out very well. There's not a lot of wasted screen time. They're, they utilize their time very well. Uh, I'm going to give this a super clean 90. Fuck you, Avi Arids, out of 100. Spoilers. Nice. Guys, I'm not sure how I feel about this whole me being on the lower end of the grading <laughs> the last lately, few episodes. <laughs> lately, you've been less than me in a lot of these. I don't understand what's happening here. I don't know how I feel about it. You're becoming jaded. Yeah, maybe. And I'm slightly <laughs> becoming more positive, apparently. Ever so slightly. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, before spoilers, a uh, CineScore of this is a 90. Go. Cool. So Nice. Now, spoilers? Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. All right, Justin, sorry. Jumping to the end. (laughs) I know. Go ahead. What the (laughs) fuck is with this movie getting New York to band together (laughs) to help the turtles beat Superfly? 
It's New York, of course. Man, they're driving dump trucks and police cars into the feet. And they're apparently they've just got cranes everywhere once again. It's amazing Spider-Man all over again. There's just <laughs> cranes everywhere. With certified crane operators at the ready in the middle of the night. Just ready to operate some cranes. All to stop I mean, a monster. There's gotta be a story behind this. Like is it contractual or something? Like, uh, is this in the studio notes? Like, hey, New York has to help somehow. Like, they they got to have an assist. Is it or is I, the director or some of these producers like New York, like born and bred? Like, they're just like, yeah, New York, you know. So they got to have an appearance in the movie. I just wonder how this happens time after time. Dude, like I said, I went to check to make sure Avi Arad had nothing to do with this movie after that scene. And as far as I can tell, none of the story people have anything to do with it. Um, the story was written by Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and Jeff Rowe. I mean, Seth Rogen and Jeff Rowe worked together a lot. Or, I mean, uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. I mean, pretty much anything that's written by Seth Rogen is also written by Evan Goldberg. Uh, I mean, I can't see anything that really kind of screams why they did that in this movie. Like, I am just at a loss for what the fuck is going on with this. Um, It is directed by the two people that directed that, that show the Mitchells versus the machines, which apparently is a super good movie that we missed. Yeah. Um, But that scene though, once that started, I was like, just fuck right off. I got so mad at that scene. Like I have talked about it passionately, how much I hate the concept of that scene of just New York banding together to beat anything, just help anyone beat anything, all that bullshit. I fucking hate it. And they just went right into that with this movie. And I was like, why? That was one of the most unnecessary things I've ever seen. Like, I just, oh, <laughs> the well, amount okay. of depth in my soul that I have of just pure hatred for that type of scene is downright unfathomable for anyone, like any normal person. Well, would you at least say that of the New Yorkers helped scenes, that maybe this was a better one? Like, because at least it it helped the Ariel character. She well, got over her fear in that moment and got on the news and was able to you know, relay that the turtles are good people and everything like that. So at least it was kind of a character moment for her. And this whole story about acceptance that. and everything, the New Yorkers kind of came and a- accepted them a little bit in that moment. And they were like, oh, man, this is what something that they wanted. So I feel like at least it wasn't just New York is helping because New York. I mean, it kind of was, but. 
at least there's precedence for it. At least it helped some of the characters. At least it tied into what some of the characters wanted. Would you at least give it that? I'm fine with the April aspect of it all. That was a really good moment but, for no, her. No, that I'm, was a really I'm good moment that. for that character. I'm mad that the crane operators at like fucking 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Those are all fucking union jobs. They ain't working like that. Some delivery boy too or something, right? <laughs> that was Man, actually uh, YouTube star Mr. Beast. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, voice that character. Uh, but dude, yeah, they're all like fucking throwing pizza and fucking ramming cars into its feet. And then like 27 cranes show up. I, I lost track Man. of all the bullshit. I want to interview some New York crate operators. Watch them be just the nicest people. Watch them oh, be like the I'm best sure humanitarians. Nice, they like, oh, people. Man, we help people all the time. Man, they get to work <laughs> at like 6 a.m. They asleep. I'm just saying they're asleep during all these times. There are no crane operators working their fucking cranes at 11 p.m. like that. Unless you get some of that mandatory OT. Doing that night work. <laughs> Maybe some of them be on the OT, man. Maybe they're just the nicest people. The what building people. project are they doing where they're paying 27 <laughs> crane operators to work that late, though? It's <laughs> a lot of money, Justin. <laughs> they be making union wages, too. That ain't cheap. That's true. Plus, those, those are OSHA violations. You can get fired for swinging your cranes around like that. You you think the boss man's going to care that you were helping superheroes beat a kaiju? No. Hey, sometimes you got to let that crane hang, man. You got to let that crane hang. You know what I mean? They were swinging those cranes. <laughs> like they were sometimes fucking morning stars in a swag. medieval battle. <laughs> sometimes you got to swag that thing, Sterling. You know that. You know, sometimes you got to swing <laughs> metaphors today. You don't got to do it in a crowded New York City with some turtles, though. But <laughs> you know, well, you got to swing the thing. You got to go ahead and let it hang. You know that. You understand that. Come on, Sterling. Don't tell me. Come on, man. But All right. Why, start why are you swinging? Why are you swinging the thing? With Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> don't this make it sexual question, harassment. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't make it sexual harassment. Don't make it that. Don't make it harassment. We're just, just all I'm saying is just you got to let that thing swing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying they're children. I'm not going to say anything to that. <laughs> I can't. I can't turn that. There's into no anything rebuttal for positive. that. There's just not. Yeah. I can't turn that into anything positive. You can't because it's <laughs> if not. If I positive. try, I think I'm just going to bury myself. So yeah. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> and that's my problem. It's not positive. It's bad. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah, I just I didn't dig that. Uh. And one thing, the one thing I am slightly worried about in the future, and I, I, I'm not saying I don't think it's possible for them to write themselves out of it. I think they could fix it or do something interesting with it. But I'm curious as to what they're going to do based on the new origin stories for Splinter. 
how that will tie into Shredder. Are they just going with no correlation anymore? And that's fine if they go that route. I'm sure they could write something interesting, you know, to keep it compelling with that story and all that other stuff. But, I mean, that was just kind of a really cool aspect of Splinter, though. And the the Splitter-Shredder dynamic. Having that history with each other. We don't have that anymore. But like I said, maybe they can make something interesting out of it. I mean... The one nice thing about it is is it's slightly unchartered territory. So maybe they could come up with something cool that we've just never even thought could be a possibility because you've never had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where Splinter and Shredder don't have a correlation. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm not saying that's a knock on this movie. I'm just saying that's something that this movie introduces that I'm curious as to see where it might go. Um, outside that, I'm sorry, Heather, if I'm stealing it from you, but I really did dig that scene though. When Splinter's like, Hey, I know you guys want to go up on the, you know, the outside <laughs> the real world. So I'm going to throw you a party and he's just got cardboard cutouts of the Chris's and yeah, pizza and lights. And he's like, yeah, guys, it's cool. That was a really funny scene. It was a good one. I yeah. really dug that scene. Yeah. And the turtles even turned down pizza in this movie. Yeah. They turned down pizza. Who'd have thunk it? I thought it would have been slightly on brand, though, if as they were leaving, like Michelangelo came back and was like, but maybe one for the road and took one with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At least the slice. They probably should have done that. Because, yeah, I I wouldn't have hated that. Yeah. I wouldn't have hated it. But. I mean, like you said, Justin, it's kind of it's kind of crazy how much they take little things. And like I said, you know, they love pizza and all this other stuff. But at the same time, they turn down pizza. That's the first time in how many hours of Ninja Turtle content that that's like the first time that's ever happened. I say that I haven't seen all the TV shows. I don't know. Maybe they have one TV show where they're like, no, we need to change it to like salads to make kids healthier or something. I don't know. But I've never seen I've of what I've seen of Ninja Turtles and I've seen every movie now. I've seen all the original animated series. I mean, I've seen I've seen their fucking musical. I've seen coming out of their shells. I've seen that. I've played most of the video games. I've never seen them turn down pizza. I mean, fuck. In the very first NES Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game, that's how you get your health. Is yep. eating pizza. You die you without eat. pizza in that game. You die. I mean, you die anyway because that game's almost impossible, but still. <laughs> uh, Justin, what about you? Now, you said a lot of good stuff there. Back to the beginning <laughs> with, uh, um, with Baxter Stockman. Man, that was cool. I liked all of that. I liked um how it started with that little raid. And even that just looked amazing. Like when the soldiers were being briefed. And so you're kind of getting where they're going and they're expositing that. And just them in that armored, 
in the armored vehicle going and, and waiting. And when they come out all surgery at soldier E and are sneaking into the, the lab and stuff, all of that just looked amazing. It was like a real intense scene. I think that that really just captured um, kind of the essence of what was happening. So instead of it starting right off with what you expected it to start off with is the story of how the Ninja Turtles became the Ninja Turtles. I love how this instead chose to start with how Superfly was created. So I thought that that was a nice touch. Uh, Another one of those turtle tropes that we did not do. You know what I mean? We didn't start with, oh, we got to start with the turtles doing some shit or explaining why the turtles are here, all of the ooze, all of that kind of stuff. So even that was a little different. You know, it started with the our villain origin story. And and I really like that whole story about Stockman and how he felt and how he just wanted to have this family of mutants because he felt like humans, you know, he didn't have a connection with them and all of that. And you could see where Superfly's motivation came from as a result of that. So all of that was good stuff. Because at first I thought, is Superfly Baxter Stockman? You know, I, I didn't look at anything prior to this or look up exactly who Superfly was. I'm not even sure if Superfly is a comic book character or was in something, a cartoon or something prior. So I thought that was just going to be Baxter Stockman's name. I thought Baxter was Superfly, but... But but so I was kind of it was kind of a pleasant surprise to find out that this was someone who considered him a son of Stockman and all of that stuff. So still very, very cool. Um, And yeah, you 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 guys talked about a little bit just about the Ninja Turtles and how they were using the, the the lingo of today. All of that was good. I like how some of them, you know, they had their phones, so they were all into that kind of stuff and trying to make videos and stuff like that of doing their ninja stuff but making videos. So all of that was cool, man. They were just, they they really just seemed to be doing things that teens would do. So I think that that was just all good stuff right there. But whenever it got to like the meat of, something that they wanted and them talking about, you know, I wonder what it would be like to go to school. I wonder what it would be like to just be a part of something or do be in a school play or be a participate. I like how their wants and their desires in this were very appropriate for what their ages were. So even though there are these incredible mutated people that have all of these amazing ninja abilities and things like that. I like how at the heart of them, they were just teens that wanted some similar things and just wanted to, you know, have a girlfriends or do teenager things. So all of that was good. It just made the fact that they were teenagers more believable And in all the other stuff we've gotten, it always felt like they were adults kind of pretending to be teenagers. Yeah. So this so you so it was palpable. You could feel that these were teenagers and just the way that they talked, the voices, you could tell they were young people. So it all just matched up. It just 
matched up quite nicely. And I didn't know how now, real quick. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No. And I was just saying, I, I, the last thing I'll say about that before you make your point is I, um, I didn't know how I would receive some of that because Michelangelo sounds so different. Like if you're used to nineties, Michelangelo and the, whoa, dude, cowbunga. Yeah. You know, he's not a surfer in this. You know, Leo is not a, a stoic, like, oh, we must all be training guys and all of that kind of stuff. There's a little bit of that, but it's not so over the top like it is in normal stuff. I mean, they really all sound very different. Donatello, yes, is still a nerd, but I like, but he didn't sound overly nerdy. He didn't have that kind of squeaky voice like, hey, guys. I could invent this. You know, it, it just <laughs> all of that stuff that you're used to with them. Donatello said Riz, so I'm cool with it, you know? Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did, which was tight, which was tight. Um, but, but like, even that part where they were kind of acting gangster and they were all like pretending to be, all of that stuff was great, man. It just, they just seemed like young people. So, even though the sort of voices and the cadences and the things that I'm familiar with, with the Ninja Turtles was gone. I like what they replaced them with. I like, I didn't know if I would, I didn't know if that would bother me, but it didn't, it really didn't. And I, and I just moved breezingly along with this. And what were you saying, Heather? Do you remember your point? <laughs> I was actually just going to say, I like to picture that there's some, multiverse where they hang out with miles morales because i could just see them all like being best friends <laughs> yeah that was it I, I could see them totally bobbing with with miles and everything because of the way they were acting so yeah all of that like just so believable and i've i love that change because it means that we don't need them presented the same way all the time we don't need the squeaky nerdy donatello voice we don't need the surfer Michelangelo all the time. We don't need the just stoic, um, I want to train all the time, Leonardo. We don't need those. Uh, we don't need the I'm angry at everything, at everything, literally everything, <laughs> Raphael. Like, I like, we don't need that, you know? I like, it, I like it's, that he was just wanting to fight. Yeah, he was. His anger was yeah. like he was like, yeah, I'm angry and I just want to fight. Like it was the way they did his anger, and this was a little different. Yeah, it wasn't. I hate everybody, and I hate this. I hate that. He was just like, he just wanted to fucking fight. Yeah, and he was a little bit of a dick, but it was in a loving brotherly way. You know, he was a he he was a good dick, if I could say that. You know what I mean? It was like a a brotherly dick. You know what I mean? Like he made fun of Leo sometimes. Sometimes he made fun of Don. Sometimes he, and I like how, although Leo, he would pick on him a lot because, you know, they still kind of have that whole, because I've always felt thing. like, it, yeah, that competitive thing. And I've always felt like in a way, Raph might be a little bit jealous of Leo because Leo is more skilled than him. But on the other side of it, I think Raph is more in tune with his emotions. Leo hides them a lot sometimes, or he restricts himself emotionally. So I feel like that there's 
a jealousy with both of them. I think both of them at times kind of wish they were the other at times. I think sometimes Leo wishes he could just had no filter at times. They could just shout off and just sort of be more in tune with his emotions like Rav. But Rav totally admires Leo's skills, even though he doesn't admit that. You know, so Apparently I do think making that, shit up though. Oh man, you know that's the truth. You know that's the truth. Um, but 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 still, even though that exact dynamic wasn't there, I like how you still felt it a little bit. There was still, like you said, Heather, there was still that competitive thing, and you could kind of tell because, like, whenever he was being a dick to Leo, it was just a little more. Like you could tell it was like he poured on a little bit harder on him than he would the other brothers. But you know. I think that that was a good way, a more realistic, believable way to have Raphael's character than to just have him, like I said, literally mad and yelling and just angry and scoffing at literally everything. So good changes overall, good changes to all of them. And I like how Leo was still kind of trying to be the leader, but I like how sometimes he would say something and they would be like, Leo, that's lame. Or sometimes he would be like, hey, you know, he he was the one that broke and told Splinter the truth. You know, he was the one that's trying to be, okay, guys, let's go home. And I like how sometimes they would they would listen to him. Like when he would say, okay, we need to go home, they would go. But then there were other times they were like, come on, Leo, man, you know, do this thing with us. And he would go with them, you know, or or when they introduced a plan to help April and we're not going to tell Splinter about it. And he was like, well, look, if we're going to do that, we're going to need to, we got to consider this and that. And then they were like, wait, Leo, are you in? Are you actually in? And then when he was like, you know, he didn't say, yeah, but he implied it. And they were like, he's going to actually do this. You know, he's going to actually go against Splinter's wishes. So, Instead of just showing you the same scenes like you see over and over and all this Ninja Turtle stuff, I like how here we did different scenes, but some of those same personality traits are implied. And you got it. You didn't need to see a scene of Leo meditating and going, man, I really wonder what they should reflect more on what Splinter meant or something like that. You didn't need any of that stuff. They did good with just implying it with the very believable dialogue that they had. So like that, all of that is really good shit, man. That's just an attention to detail that I think that we shouldn't take for granted in this movie, just how well they had the turtles interacting with each other and how you could still feel all those personalities in there. And we didn't have to do just the over the top cliche stuff we normally do. Um, April, like you said with April, I really liked this April. You know, the 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 changes that they made to her. I like how there she had kind of this journey of acceptance and everything like that. The whole thing with the 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 puke girl and stuff, that was funny. That 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 was really that was really funny. And I like how that came full circle as well. And I liked, even though this was completely different from what we've seen in the cartoons and some of the comics and stuff like that, it felt like this April had a a purpose and more of a personality. 
it, she wasn't just a hot girl, the the hot news girl that follows around the Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. Really, it felt I always kind of felt like in some way she was kind of a knockoff Lois Lane. Like she was just this reporter. She's yeah, hot. I can see that. She's but she's always trying to get the story right. And she's always getting into trouble. And the turtles are always saving her. Always a damsel uh, in distress well, for sure. Yep. That, yeah. Do you know where that comes from? What? The animated series. Yeah. April in yeah. the comics originally was not like that. That's really? Some, that's something that the animated series did. Okay. And Eastman and Laird had talked about how they did not like that they did that. Huh. They don't like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. But, and the thing is, is that growing up, you know, I'm a little kid. April is hot. And that's all I cared about. It was just like, oh, April's hot. And, you know, I didn't mind her coming along on the turtle adventures and stuff. But you look, but you get older, you look back on it now, you're like, she's a knockoff Lois Lane. But in this movie, she, she saved the turtles. She helped save them. She was smart. She made good decisions at times. She had, you know, a, a reason to exist and a motivation that tied in with them. She related to them and understood them, was kind of one of the first people. And I guess that now about the old April, the hot April, or the the hot one from back then. Yellow suit I don't April. Say, I don't want to imply that this one was not hot, but I'm just saying, you know, the, the one from back then. She was one of the first people to accept them. So I will give her that. But... I really like how this April seemed to have layers, a point. She had a motivation. And I like the confidence that she would sometimes show with them. She wasn't afraid to call them lame or that part where they were in the shadows and wouldn't come out. And she's like, well, you know, it's really getting sus when you're just back there and not coming out. And now you're whispering to yourselves. So really, that's even more sus. Like, that was great. Like, I liked all of that. So... Yeah, I, I was I was feeling this April. Um, now I will agree with you, Sterling, into a sense in a sense that uh, that there were a lot of mutants in this, and some of them didn't really get much to do. So I can definitely see where you're coming from. I can't really argue against that. You know, um, I mean, could you have done it with less of them or without them? I don't know. It's kind of hard to have mutant mayhem without the mutants. So I guess they kind of needed them. I mean, maybe you could argue that maybe now that they're all living with the turtles and, and alive and most of them are alive and stuff, maybe we could get more development with some of them in the the second movie. But I don't want to... You know, but I don't know. That may not be a guarantee because we're doing Shredder in the next movie. You know, you might have to do some more development with him. So I don't know. I mean, maybe because we know that those mutants will be back in the second one, there may be some potential to see them grow. And maybe this script was pretty smart. Maybe they're smart enough to write something more for some of those mutants that we missed out on. But you kind of needed the mutants to have mutant mayhem. So, I mean, I guess it, it's okay. But at least I will say this. 
I liked how they were this group of mutants and the turtles kind of saw that group of mutants and went, Oh look. And I like how at first they all vibed and were hanging out and they kind of liked each other. You know, it was like, Oh man, you know, some of my own people, you know, these people are mutants like me and they're not accepted either. And I love how even some of the origin story was similar with how they tried to go out into the world and got shunned, just like how Splinter tried to take the turtles out in the world. So I loved all of those like things, how parallel their stories were running a little bit, but how ultimately the ideologies and the right from wrong were different. And that's sort of where the turtles have to draw the line. So that was great. And I really loved when Splinter realized his similarities to Superfly and how that made that change Splinter. That was amazing, amazing stuff. Like normally Splinter is not the character that learns a lesson. You know, he's not the one. He's the one teaching lessons. He's the perfect ninja master sensei father type person who is just always giving wisdom and stuff like that. You know, he might learn something hip or cool or something like that and have a funny moment. But normally Splinter is not the one learning lessons. I liked how in this they were like, we want Splinter more as a father and less as a ninja master. And I think that that worked for this. He can't, he seemed to care more about the turtles well being. He was always preaching be safe and stuff like that. He just felt way more fatherly in this than what I've seen him in other things. But also he had wants and desires. He was lonely in a sense too, because you know, he's a father, he's an older man, older rat, I guess you could say, hanging around, you know, watching after a bunch of teenagers, you, I like how somebody who thought of this was like, wouldn't he kind of be lonely? Wouldn't he kind of yearn for some adult connections other than, you know, just, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of the connections that he had with his children. So I like how they sort of tried to have that in there because that feels like a very real thing that he would go to. You're down in the sewer all the time. You know, it, it, it just makes sense that he would have some of those same secluded struggles that his, that the turtles would have. It, it, that, that just all really made sense to me. Um, so yeah, when he learns the lesson, I thought that that was great. That was just such a nice touch. So I like how, these characters that were not used to learning anything are learning lessons and growing as characters and actually developing. So all of that was great. And then the, the, the final confrontation with Superfly, uh, I already kind of said it, Sterling, when you were on your rant about New Yorkers helping people. But I guess I accepted this New York helping people more because I did like what it did for the turtles and what it did for April. So I accepted it a little bit more than you. I wasn't as mad as uh, you were at that part. And the last thing I'll say, Heather, before I let you go is, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with Shredder. And you're right. There aren't going to be any ties to Splinter unless maybe you give them a tie 
of some sort. I wonder if there's a way maybe they could meet each other and not knowing like and him not knowing who Shredder is or Shredder not. Well, actually, Shredder would have to know because the scientists would have told him everything. Damn. And I think I had a good idea. I was thinking, could they do this thing where he sort of meets Splinter and they sort of become friends or something before he knows that Shredder is Shredder, you know? Could he meet Orokusaki and something happened there and then him realize that, well, he's actually Shredder. I wonder if they could give them a connection that they didn't have before, but I don't know how they're going to tell that story, but I'm intrigued, you know, I'm intrigued with what, they're going to do with that. And and I think the, the best thing I can say is we probably won't get the same shredder that we've gotten time after time, but I'm pretty sure we're going to get a better written one. I'm pretty sure that his motivations and his themes are going to tie in well with the Turtles and Splinter. And just based on what this movie was able to do with Superfly, I have no reason to believe that they won't come up with a good story for this shredder. So I'm excited to see uh, what they do with that. Um, So yeah, all in all, just a very enjoyable film. Loved what they did with all the characters and it was a fun ride from beginning to end. Um, One quick point before you go, Heather. Uh, Superfly is a character just made for this movie. Superfly is not from anything else. Um. In fact, this character was originally supposed to be the the Baxter Stockton fly. The original Superfly was Baxter Stockton transforming. Okay. But they changed it and made it its own character. So Cool. Having Superfly was genius, though. Yeah. Um, Heather, what about you? I also liked the running joke that they kept having about being milked. It was so random. And like the fact that their like fear was realized when they actually did go up to the real world and we're like, wait, what? Yeah. I thought that was a funny like running joke. Um, Cause that was like the thing that Splinter was like so terrified of. He's like, they're going to milk you. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was so weird, but so funny. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I also really, I think Superfly was such a great like villain for this because you also see that, you know, he has his, he has his reasons and his motives for why he's like, oh, we want to, we want to destroy humans. We want to be the ones that are here. And you understand his reasoning for it, which I appreciated, but he was also funny. He was just so funny. And like, I just, I loved when he like is getting out of the car with, uh, the other two and they're just like got the music playing while he's coming out. And it was just so such a funny setup for this like villain character that they have in this movie. I thought that was really hilarious. Um, But yeah, I think that um, it was funny too, with some of the action scenes, especially the one where you see Splinter come in and start doing his whole thing when he's trying to rescue the turtles was like, I was like, that's actually probably something Jackie Chan can just like kind of just do, <laughs> like even not yes. animated. <laughs> Great probably, point. That he, was he might very have just done the choreography. Yeah, he could have just yeah. done the choreography for that and been like, 
yeah, I just did this in the backyard yesterday, but let's just put it in this movie. Like just would be no problem to him probably. But, um, and also too, I do like the point that you make about like the character of April and how traditionally she's just this, you know, like damsel in distress reporter, always kind of in trouble in the movies at least. And like just a very stereotypical type of female character that they had in these cartoons from back in the day. And now we get this super capable, super smart, um, like just kind of witty and sassy character that is just very, has her own opinions, has her own ideas. She's not always along for what the turtles want to do. You know, she's kind of like, "Eh, I don't know if that's a good idea. You know, but you don't feel like she's out to sabotage them or like you don't feel like she's like, I just need the story and that's it. Like you've never really kind of felt like that was her her end game with it, even when she was like, oh, yeah, it'd be cool to kind of get the story, you know. But um, so I don't remember if was there any storyline in any of the stuff about like any of the turtles liking April? I can't remember in the movies. I don't think so. Right. Uh, Not in the movies. I think it's sometimes hinted on at some times like. You know, the worst case scenario, they always do weirdly inappropriate flirty jokes with her. Mm. Yeah. Like but that. it's all of them. It's not like it wasn't specifically Leo most of the time. Typically, as far as I'm remembering, it's all of them. Mm. Yeah, okay. I think it was all. Yeah. But then okay. if you get into porn star April O'Neil, who is based her porn star personality off April O'Neil, the porn she does, she fucks all the turtles. So that's a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. They made okay. porn of everything. Got it. Okay. Um, Come on, Heather. You know the cranes got to hang, man. We talked about <laughs> it. I guess so. April reports on it. They about that. <laughs> That's probably true, actually. Um, but yeah, I just, but I like that in this, she's a very, yeah, very capable, independent type of person. And um, I also just kind of like, and not that this really has any, sort of barons on the the movie itself but i like that she wasn't she she looked like a normal person like normal average body type just kind of wearing her like cool like clothes that she liked and you know just looked very much an independent person and just looked like a normal person and i i love that because i haven't seen an april like that before and i think that's cool and I also like that Leo was just kind of like, this is a perfect, beautiful angel person. Like he just was like at first sight was still thought that. And I think that's really cool. I don't know. I really just enjoyed that he did that and that they brought that aspect into this. Um, but yeah, I think that. Which um, is yeah. weird because nobody has brought up that a turtle person likes a human woman. <laughs> yeah, I know. But a cockroach and a rat, if they're gay, bad. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> but but notice how it is. It's it's male turtle person, female human person. Mm, okay, right. So that's yeah. fine. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which in general, too, that's kind of another thing where it's like, I like what they did about like Leo, like his being more free, spontaneous self was because of April and his feelings for April. But again, it's like. I mean, it, essentially, it's a mutant turtle and a human. Like, realistically, how's this going to go? You know what I mean? But um, 
I, I like that they did it and it made sense because also they're teenage boys and the first human that they see happens to be this female who is like accepting of them and all these things like of course one of them is going to fall for that you know what I mean like that's just going to happen so I appreciate that they added that that's a very teenage thing very human teenage thing and and as much as these turtles especially in this movie want to be human or want to be part of this human world it was it was just kind of cool to see that like they genuinely are just regular teenagers <laughs> in every sense of the word you know they're sneaking out they're going behind their dad's back they're fighting with each other they're like riffing on each other you know, like they're just competitive. It's they're very normal teenagers. And I love that they built them that way. And the fact that even though they're not supposed to be, you know, up in the real world, they were still kind of like, you know, in the shadows, sort of trying to watch these current things happening, like concerts that they were going to and things like that. And they were just very up on what's popular and up on what's going on in the real world, even though they've never been an actual part of it. So I think that was like a really cool thing because that's probably also very realistic to teenagers and what they might learn on social media or what the, you know what I mean? Like you just, it's so easy for that to be a very realistic thing for teenagers. So yeah, I, I love that they made them very much more actual kids and, um, they're just their their the way that they went about doing what they were doing, personality types, the jokes they were making were even definitely teenage boy jokes. Like they were just very entertaining though, because you I don't know, they just really they they do a really good job in this movie of fleshing out each of these characters, each of these turtles, and each of the other characters as well. And it, it just works. It just works well. And you feel like you're in this world with them and you know, like what their day to day is it's almost like you're a fly on the wall seeing just a normal everyday thing with them. And I really appreciated that aspect of it. Um, yeah. I mean, and also again, the soundtrack, the music they chose to use in specific scenes was great when they were doing their initial like fighting thing. And they did the, um, no diggity song. And I was like, I love this. This is excellent. It's perfect choice of song for this that I never that would have thought tight. of. Yeah. Yeah. Everything tight. with that just really worked. And yeah, it, it just, it used everything very fully to their advantage here. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard because with the movie like this too, there's not really actual like human performances that you could be like, Oh, this is what I changed with that. And the story is so well done in this movie that it's hard to find really the flaws in how they told something in the story. So, um, but yeah, I think it, I don't know. I just, I, I do, I do like the character development too of yes. While also the Ninja Turtles are all sort of learning their own way and their own path on things that Splinter also had his growing point of, you know, I need to be able to trust you with this. I need to let this go, you know, and then actually encountering people in the world that were helpful, you know, even if it was during a cliche New York helps everybody scene, you know, he still got to experience like there were just so many people that were like, oh, like, are you good? Can we help you? You know, 
so I, I did appreciate that. Um, you know, you, you just see that. And yeah, I loved that moment of him just completely realizing how similar he is to Superfly and being like, wait a minute, this is not how I want to be. You know, just the immediate realization almost of like, I got to change something. This is not good, you know, because I don't want to be like that. And that's a very real thing, too, of like, you know, how similar you could be to somebody. It just depends on what is your motive for it. What's your actual intention Mm -hmm. and your motive? You know, you might be on the exact same page with everything, but one of them wants to kill humanity and one of them just wants to protect their non-human sons from being hurt. Like there's very different motives for why they're doing what they're doing, but everything like the steps they're taking feel the exact same. And I love that parallel that they did with that. Um, that was a great theme in this and everything. So yeah, I, there's just, there's just so many cool little things that they do in this and um, just the personality, you just feel the big personalities of the turtles. And that was, I think my favorite part was just feeling their dynamic with each other and just all their different independent personalities that you got to see come out um, between them. So yeah, it, it's just, it's one of those where you get, it's, it's going to be hard to find something in this that you won't enjoy. So did you guys happen to notice that uh, the, the villain lady, Cynthia uh, Utram, um, is probably actually going to end up being Krang or one of the Krang people. So the hmm. Krang race is called, they're, they're, they're the uh, Utroms. And uh, she also had a lot of Krang styling to her. Her glasses are the crane glasses from the android body of the 90s cartoon. Ah, uh, they sure were. They sure were. I missed that. She okay. she might not end up being crane, but I feel like she might end up being a fucking brain thing in a suit. Yeah. But, yes, that that is that. Cool. Cool. Uh, nice little tidbit, a uh, little trivia mm. there with that. Um, but yeah, that's what I picked on. I picked up on the glasses. I was like, those are Krang's glasses. Is she a Krang? Is she a brain squid thingy? We'll see. They also could just change it to where she's just a person now. And they gave yeah. her the names to to signify what she was going to be in charge. You know, have that yeah. Krang role without being a brain squid. That could be a possibility too, but yeah. I mean, and also with something too, real quick that Jess mentioned about, you know, with Shredder coming up in this next one, like, I agree. I think that this is going to be a completely different type of Shredder because every other character in this was completely done differently than anything else we have seen before. And, but again, like you said, like, in my opinion, at least all of the characters were done better. (laughs) I enjoyed these versions of these characters a lot. So I feel like whatever they're doing with Shredder, I feel like I I trust it. I trust what they're going to do because of how well they served all these other characters in this one. I don't know. I mean, Bebop and Rocksteady were kind of understatements, though. (laughs) And then the, what was it, the Gecko? He was cool too, man. But yeah. Mondo Gecko. Yeah. That's a character that weirdly got so much screen time. He really did. More than any other mutant, probably, aside from the Turtles. You had John Cena... 
and Seth Rogen as Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> right. And they said two words the whole fucking movie. Yeah. But you've got Mondo Gecko eating up screen time. <laughs> it worked, though. Whatever he did was great. But yeah, it, you're right. It's just like it was not an even amount of screen time for the mutants. Yeah, it's just it's weird, and especially because Bebop and Rocksteady outside of the turtles themselves are two of the most iconic mutants in this world. You know, like, I mean, some mm. of your, yeah, if you're a diehard, diehard turtles fan, yeah, you know, Leatherhead, you know, Mondo Gecko, you know, Genghis Frog, you know, was it Lock Nut? You know, all of them, mm-hmm. but Bebop and Rocksteady are iconic fucking characters. So you're saying that these people, Chris Nolan, the uh, <laughs> the cast, <laughs> they're mutants. Yeah, <laughs> where they just give too many stacked cast people, and they get like one minute of screen time. I mean, Bebop and Rocksteady are right, just just a hair below Toka and Razor, as far as iconic mm-hmm. mutants in this industry go. Because to me, Toka and Razor are the best. I love them. I love Toka. He's just a gigantic fucking snapping turtle. <laughs> and and I, I love that scene and I know I've done it before on the podcast but it's that whole nom nom yes God, that's right that scene. and it probably it could be that I can do toka I can do that nom nom <laughs> nom nom or he goes when you go mama Oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. I, I forgot Toka. about that. Yeah. So Hollywood, if you ever, if you're, Seth Rogen is specifically, I guess, if you're doing this, if you ever bring Toka and Rezar into <laughs> this universe and you want them to be the baby mutants like they were, I can do the Toka voice. We cat you. Yeah. So just throwing that out there. You have your, your choice of Sterling or, you know, Alan Tudyk probably. <laughs> Yeah, Alan Tudyk, the man that does. Oh, we need a chicken. <laughs> Let's not do chicken sounds. Let's get Alan Tudyk to come do to the chicken do sounds chicken for us. God, that man's all like uh, he went to like Juilliard or Berkeley. He's all fucking classically trained and shit. And Disney has that man doing fucking chicken noises. <laughs> He's a love. He seems like a lovely man too. But yeah, he just is he, like what? What is this? He is one of the most abused people in Hollywood. They have him be a guy that gets fucking killed with aliens. And one, what, what movie was that with fucking, uh, they had Matt Damon and him as hillbillies that get killed by some aliens or some shit. Uh, oh my gosh. What was that? Oh man. You're not thinking of Tucker and Dale, are you? No. Okay. No, there is a movie where Matt Damon and Alan Tudyk are like, uh, hillbillies that are just in a field and aliens like come down and like kill them. Um, was that, I don't remember what movie it was, but that happens in a movie. Uh, Alan Tudyk played the chicken in Moana, um, plays the fucking pirate in dodgeball. This man is abused. Like he's a fucking fantastic actor. And then they just go and abuse him. Like a he, like an Andy Circus type thing, almost. Yeah, like he played he. But Andy Circus gets respect, weirdly enough. True. Yeah, no yeah, one yeah. respects Alan Tudyk and what he does, which is really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Because that man is just a gem, and they just go, 
you know, they had him play the Weasel King guy in fucking Frozen. And they went, man, you did a really great job of that. You want to come play a chicken? With all your talent, come make some chicken noises. Oh, wait, no. God, it's going to drive me nuts that I can't remember what movie that was. They might not die. I just know that it's him and Matt Damon and there's some aliens and shit. Like they see the aliens land or something. Uh, But do you guys have any more thoughts about uh, this movie? I do not. No, sir. On that note, oh, it's it's fucking it's a scene in Deadpool 2. Oh, is that the scene where Cable comes? I think it's the scene where Cable comes. I think that is, yeah. Yes. I think that's what that is. So all those people that were yelling at their fucking phones because I was getting it wrong and it wasn't aliens. I I got there. It was Deadpool (laughs) 2. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet, www.cinemaslayers.com, cinema underscore slayers on Twitter, Instagram, and threads, Cinema Slayers Podcast on Facebook, at Cinema Slayers Pod on TikTok, at Cinema Slayers Pod on YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. It'd really, uh, we'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. Um, it's, hot, it's hot cockroach on rat action. Yes. Hot cockroach on rat action. 100%. Of course. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Plug Mido, Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, just remember here at the Cinema Slayers Podcast, we are both pro-slut and pro-Sydney. And just remember, you are a knuff. I have added that into it. And also just remember, yes. Burger King is not knuff. <laughs> Justin looked thoroughly, like, heartbroken by that statement. You are knuff, but Burger King is not is what I guess I should say. Okay, that's a little better. What about Cowabunga? How's it growing on you now? (laughs) I am about like 55 minutes of hating it more. (laughs) Okay. Just wait till next week. I'm going to hate it even more. Got to put some water on that seed. Just got to figure out how to. I'm putting Roundup on it. <laughs> what 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 was that weed killer chemical from back in the day that's all banned because it gives you nine kinds of cancer? I'm putting that on it. Oh, God. What is that? <laughs> it's like DEET or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and as I always end this podcast, these TikToks, And these YouTube videos, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. Somebody will listen to me. I wish every New Yorker that helped the turtles said cowabunga as they were helping us.
Sterling's two favorite parts about it. That scene is the cowabunga of movie scenes. Oh, boy. Oh, come on. Come on, man. Dang. One thing I do want to know. Crane down like that. Yeah, I did. (laughs) I I do want to know where uh, Superfly got Nara whales at. Because he had Nara whales for fingers. (laughs) Those things aren't in captivity. (laughs) They're not running around the New York Harbor. Where the fuck did he get narwhals from? Because it would either be the harbor or the zoo. <laughs> I don't know. Man, he was great, dude. I like when they shot it with that ray and that horse fell off him and he went, one horse? I don't need that. Or whatever he said. He was just <laughs> yeah. tight. He was so tight. I don't need that. <laughs> That, that was a very smart decision, flipping the script and not having it be Baxter, be your big yeah. fly guy, creating a new character. Yeah, he was tight. That was a good call. All right, I'm out. Fuck Burger King! <laughs>